One woman. One man. Two two kids. kids, A dog. Over 20 years of sharing the ups and downs of life together. In a crazy town called Los Angeles. And yet we are still in love. You're listening to This Rom-Com Life. On this podcast, we discuss marriage, relationships, and everything else in between. Join us for an open, honest, and unapologetic journey. Quick question, how are you feeling? Thank you for asking. Um, Welcome everybody to episode 13 of This Rom-Com Life. The reason Dana is asking me how I'm feeling, I mean he always asks me that, but on Monday I had surgery at Cedars-Sinai Hospital here in Los Angeles. It was part of the reconstructive surgery from the double mastectomy I had in 2019 when I had breast cancer. This was elective surgery. It was just plastic surgery that my doctor wanted to fix me up a little bit more. She's a perfectionist and touch you up, touch me up a little bit. But I did have to go under for how many hours was I under? Three to four hours. hours. Yeah. So it did knock me out a little bit. I was on a little bit of pain medication, but. I tried to stop taking it today and wean myself off of it. But aside from being a little bit tired and sore, I'm feeling good. Thank you. I just got the phone with David and David's like, you know, it, it's kind of strange that I have to listen to your podcast to find out about you. I just found out <laughs> by listening to your podcast mm-hmm. on the way home from work, your wife had surgery on Monday. Uh, that's your Memori- brother. Yeah, your yeah. brother didn't know. My brother <laughs> called me and said, yeah, I had no idea. I have to listen to your podcast to find out about you and your family. Oh. How is Lamore feeling? I said, she's fine. Sorry, you know. We got busy during the weekend. Minute. It was a last minute thing. It was quick and we jumped on it and it's taken care of and she's fine. And you're sleeping so well or no? Sleeping well. So I didn't hear you at all last night. Yeah. Around. Eden woke me up. Oh, she did. Yeah, she wakes okay. us up still a few times a night. Yeah. Still after all these years, yeah. she's still waking us up. So this is a special episode. This episode 13. Because we're going to delve a little bit into our daughter, Eden. We're calling this Eden's episode part one because I know that most of you have heard us talk about Eden. She's 10 years old and a really, really special little girl. And we're blessed to have her. But what she has gone through in her less than 10 years of life and what we've been through as a family and as parents has been quite traumatic. And that's one of the reasons we were inspired to start this rom-com life as a podcast and such because we've been through the ringer if you will and I know a lot of parents have been through worse and we're not saying you know that it's the worst thing that could have happened but compared to the norm this was pretty traumatic and pretty heavy and pretty hard for all of us to go through especially Eden and us as her parents and yet we found a way to see the sunlight through it thanks to Eden especially but also thanks to each other, to our family, to our friends, to our doctors, modern medicine, nurses, and so many other people in our life. So we wanted to share with you that story. And it's a good one. It's a doozy, man. It puts life in perspective. Exactly. So let's think back. The year was 2008. Eden had just turned one years old. So it was end of summer, probably August of 2008. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking, sorry, Eden was born in 2010. Wrong, wrong thinking. There you go. Wrong child. Wrong child. That's Elijah. So think summer 2011. So yes. August 2011. That's Eden it. was 13 months old. She was a beautiful little baby. Oh, my God. 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago or nine. Yeah, nine years ago. And she was doing all the things that one-year-olds do, starting to talk and say a bunch of words and walking already and 
just a joy and smiling and really independent. And then one day, she we thought she was sick. I remember it was a Friday morning, and I was supposed to join my friends Danielle and Jamie at a Mommy and Me, and Eden got up and stood up in her crib and proceeded to vomit. Now, the strange thing was she wasn't crying. She didn't have a fever. She just threw up. So I remember thinking, okay, well, I guess we're not going to Mommy and Me today. Let me clean her up. She threw up again. Again. Then she proceeded to go on playing, even ate breakfast. A few minutes after breakfast, vomited all of that up again. And this continued throughout the whole day. And it happened to be the same time that my parents were leaving on a trip abroad. They're from Israel and they were going to go to Israel and then also go to Czechoslovakia, or I guess it's called Czech. They were going to Prague, where my dad's parents were from since he hadn't been there ever, and take a trip through Europe with their friends. And so my dad came over. He was a pharmacist and knew a lot, a very wise man. And he looked at Eden and I told him what was going on. And he said, that's strange. You don't just continuously vomit and be fine and want to play and not have any other symptoms. Limor, take her to the doctor. So I did, of course. And the doctor said, nope, I don't see anything wrong. It looks fine. Maybe she's just teething. Who knows? So we went home and Eden threw up again. Again. And again. And was she sitting and not walking? That came later. So let's not jump to that part yet. So I remember I went on a play date to my friend Jamie's house, I think, that afternoon with Elijah and Eden. Eden vomited there. Again, no symptoms, nothing else, playing happily, and all of a sudden just vomited. We went to Shabbat at the temple. I remember sitting. She was doing it again. Again, it just was continuous. It happened the next day. Didn't we go to little tiny tot soccer with Elijah? Yeah, was right. Barely, she he was wasn't sitting even on the grass yet. with us and same thing. She just vomited and then I, she wanted to play and then she was fine. And it was so strange. But we, It was a lot of constant, like every single day she was vomiting. And many times a day and not keeping anything down. And then something else happened that you had said before. She stopped walking yeah she just sat on the floor and would sat on the sofa and would want us to pick her up and would raise her hands like pick me up but she didn't want to walk anymore and again i literally was taking it to her to the doctor every single day because she kept throwing up we didn't know what's going on we tried to think did she have a concussion did she fall did something else happen there were no answers and then something happened my dad in Prague, another accident, another accident on the side was on a Segway. I don't know why he thought that <laughs> little overweight, a little overweight, right? why he would be Not able to take a Segway but, trip through Prague, but he fell and yeah. broke his collarbone and three ribs. Poor guy in Prague where the hospitals are not like they are in America. He was in a room with like 15 other people. It was horrible. They were stuck there and, it sounds like medieval times. Yeah, all they wanted to do was get home. And it was all my mom could do but to get them home. And they got home. And so they'd been gone maybe a week. And here's Eden in the same spot as I left her, still vomiting every day. Nothing and else. now she's not walking. Now she's not walking. And they were like, and the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her. And they got mad. They said, something is really wrong with her. And I said, Dad, I'm taking her to the doctor literally every day. Nobody, no doctor says anything's wrong with her. They keep telling me she's fine. And he said, you know, we have a friend, Hillel Janai. He is a doctor and he oversees a couple of hospitals in Ventura County area and up through Ojai. I'm going to give him a call and just see what he says. And I said, great, let's do that. 
So I got on the phone and I started to tell him what was going on with Eden. And I remember he said to me, Lemore, you need to go to the hospital with her. And I said, okay, well, I was going to go on a walk with my friends and can we do it? He said, you need to take her immediately. Come to my hospital this minute. I remember just getting in my car, going home and picking her up because she was there with Santos, our nanny, not even grabbing my purse barely and calling Dan saying, this is where I'm going. This is the hospital. You have to get here now. I don't know what's going on. Driving to the hospital in Ventura. And we get to this hospital and again, no one knew what was going on with her, but something really strange started to happen. Her eyes started rolling quickly in her head. It was it was almost like she was possessed. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen and it wasn't stopping and she wasn't responding and we did not know what was going on. And even the nurses looked terrified. The doctors yeah, looked They had terrified. no clue either. They didn't know what was going on with this girl. No, nobody knew what was going on. And I remember that Hillel and the other doctor, his partner said, we've got to get you to Children's Hospital Los Angeles. There's nothing we can do for you here. And they called the ambulance and they waited until traffic had subsided a little bit and they rushed us in an ambulance to Children's Hospital. I went in the ambulance. Right. I followed you. In the car. I had a good enough boss. Let me go. As soon as I said, I got to go. Something's wrong with my kid. Got in the car, drove all the way to Ventura, right? That's where we were. Yeah, yeah. it was in Ventura at the I hospital. Think. And then we waited for traffic to die down. And then we followed you all the way to Children's Hospital. Not in, not expecting what was going to happen, happen. Like they'll figure out what's going on with her. Well, it was sure really enough. scary. We got there in the middle of the night and two doctors actually met us. As we were walking into the hospital, which I guess does not happen. Usually that does not happen. But they had heard that this baby with these crazy symptoms, what was happening in this little tiny baby, and they didn't know what to do. And so the on-call doctors rushed in and started asking us all these questions, hooking her up to all these machines, uh, putting in requests for her to get all these tests done. And we were terrified. We did not know if she was going to survive. Was she dying? What was going? Was she ever going to be okay? Her eyes were still going everywhere in her head. She was crying. She couldn't stop. She wasn't responding to us. We were terrified. Long story short, it took a couple days of just horrific anxiety. We were terrified. Eden is in a really, really bad place. And, and she was losing a lot of weight too because she weight, couldn't keep she anything couldn't down. Eat. She was pale. They she had her eating. all these needles in her and hooked up to machines. And we were sleeping over there. I, you know, wasn't going into work. You weren't working. We were just living there. I mean, your friends bought brought you clothes, fresh clothes, mm-hmm. and our and our son Elijah. You know, I'm glad your parents were close to us, obviously, because then he ended up staying with them. And that was traumatic for him as well, I'm sure. Well, that was really traumatic for him because I have to admit, I was quite a control freak uh, with our kids. And up until then, I was so like, no, you can't do this. The rules are this. Yeah, you're not driving You're them. not driving them. You can't you, sleep over. You can't hold them like that. All the new rules, as if they never raised kids and all these new rules that were in place, never even let them pick them up from preschool. All of a sudden... I had to relinquish all control and just say, yes, thank you. Please help. He had to sleep over at my parents' house. They had to take him to preschool, pick him up from preschool. Friends were sending him toys and and sending us gift baskets, but we didn't know what was going on with Eden. It was so scary. We literally didn't know if she was ever going to be okay, if she was going to live. We didn't know. And finally, We didn't know if she was going to live or die. We really didn't know. That was a scary part. And a day and a half in, I think, one of the doctors came in and said, we think we know what's going on. 
Doctor, her name is Dr. Mitchell, Wendy Mitchell. She's the head of the neurology department here. She thinks that Eden has obstaclonus myoclonus ataxia. Like what? what? Yes. It's a very, very rare neurological syndrome. I remember my friend Shannon happened to be visiting us at that moment. And Shannon is a psychologist. And she'd been through illness with her mom. And she, thank God, took a pencil and started scribbling down all these big words and all these things that the doctors were saying because it literally was like they were speaking another language to uh, me. Swahili or something. We did not know what they were saying. What does our daughter have? What do you have to do to her? What kind of treatments is she going to have to go? One in 10 million, all these numbers and different things. So there you have it. Obstaclonus myoclonus ataxia. What does that mean? What is that? So that is when the obstaclonus is the eye movement. And the ataxia is why she couldn't walk. And even when she started walking, she, her, her gait was wide and she wasn't very steady. And they don't know what causes it. It's one in 10 million. Half of the people or kids or babies that come down with this syndrome, it's caused by a neuroblastoma or some sort of cancer. But we did many, many scans yeah, and Eden never God. found that, thank God. So we didn't also have to deal with the cancer part. But on the other hand, we don't know what caused it. And each case is so different. We don't know how it's going to affect each child. Some children are able to overcome it relatively quickly in nine months with and with some sort of treatments. And others last nine years. Some kids, it lasts forever. We just don't know. There's not enough research on this. There's not. And because disease. there's not enough cases, the drug companies don't get approval to try and do research. And just looking it up online was so scary and so sad. And I remember one of the doctors talking to me because she had kids the same age as ours. And as a doctor, you could see she didn't want to be, but she was almost crying and saying, I'm sorry, her life is going to be really difficult. And I was like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Our perfect little life, our perfect little just daughter. shattered overnight and it, in a span of like two or three weeks. It just shattered. So what did that mean for us? And what did that especially mean for Eden? Well, the first thing we had to do was get Eden stable so that her eyes would stop moving in her head and she could try and hopefully start walking again. And a Band-Aid of sorts is this really strong uh, steroid called ACTH that we had to get flown in on ice from a specialty pharmacy, keep it refrigerated, and had to be injected by a shot into Eden's thigh twice a day for at the beginning. Oh, that's right. It twice was twice a day. A day in and the then beginning. we weaned off to every day. And then we finally were able to wean off to every other day. And only years later, we were able to wean her off completely. But that act as a band-aid. So while that was in her, she looked and acted more how she should. But that wasn't the answer. The answer was how do we actually kill all these cells because it's an autoimmune syndrome. So the, the, the bad cells are attacking her good cells in her brain. And that's what's causing all this. They had to figure out how to stop those cells from attacking the Reset cells. the system. And one way said. they do this is something called IVIG, where they infuse her with the immunoglobulin and other things for hours and hours and hours in hopes that it flushes out her system and that she's able to just be better that way. Um, we tried that in the hospital and it took hours and hours and hours. And oh unfortunately, God, long it, days. it didn't help. Didn't take. 
So then the ACTH finally started to work after a couple days and about a week and a half to two weeks in of hell and all these different tests and not knowing what's going on. She looked like she was starting to stabilize and they said, well, we're going to send you home now. And while I was looking forward to finally being home in my own house, I was terrified, terrified to being sent home with my little baby who now I didn't even know who was, who wasn't the same, who I had to somehow inject twice a day when I relied on the nurses to give her all her medications and her injections and all of this. Now you're sending me home? Now you're sending us home? I, I don't ourselves. understand. It, that was scary. It was so scary. Because at least there at the hospital, we're safe. There's, we push a button, somebody comes we running and helps us. can go into the us. hallway and scream. Oh my God. And now we're going home on our own. Right. So they did set up a nursing service to come help us do the injections at first that um, teach us how to do the shots. They taught us at the hospital how to do yeah. that. But then the nurse nursing service would send a nurse every morning. We had to do the nighttime one by ourselves and it would take, you know, two people to hold oh her God. down at first and one person and to do it. So much. And I remember it was this thick liquid that you had to fill. You had to leave it out so that it, because it was refrigerated, let it warm up a little bit, fill one one syringe with it and then take off that needle top because it was so thick, put on a ne- another needle to actually inject into her thigh. I mean, I was doing things never in my life had I ever looked at, never seen, fathomed, fathomed no. what kind of people you, I mean, I was went to work after a while. You are a hero. You did everything. You were on it and you knew what to do and how to do it and how to take care. You just, without question, well, We had amazing. to be there. Thank God my mom is a nurse. Thank God she that stepped out. My dad stood up. Yeah. We did have Santos with us. Yep. We had to sort of explain to Elijah, poor kid, what was going on. He, he turned four while we were in the hospital. Poor kid, he didn't get a birthday yeah. party. And his world was turned upside his down, world too. Was turned upside you down. Know, he thought we abandoned him. Yeah. It was really nice friends from his preschool sent, you know, toys and gifts and things like that. But wow, that was hard. That was traumatic. And it didn't end. It didn't end at that. We went home and we did have the, this nursing service come. But because we were supposed to give the shot every day at, basically the same time, you know, within an hour. Um, it was not good because the nurses didn't care. They kind of just thought of it as a job. And if one of them called in sick or they didn't know what they were coming from or they were running late, we would panic. We would yeah. panic What's and freak out. What's going on? we freak out, be and, yelling and come on. Someone's got to show up and do this shot. If not, I guess we're going to have to do it. Eventually we did We did. Have we said, forget this. How. Forget these nurses. We're not going through this anymore. Yes. We'll just do it ourselves. And and we had to because it did go on for many, many, many years, unfortunately, that we had to do this. And thankfully now we've she's been weaned off for at least a year or two, thank yeah, God. You know, it's, yeah. But and for me, that was traumatic. That was really painful because I you could you know she knows when she's gonna get it. When she was older, you know, we still had to put it in her thigh. It was so hard, like Santos would have to hold her down or you would have to hold her down and to put that needle and when she would like shake and convulse and it's just like it's just so painful and sometimes she would cry as she got older she didn't cry but she would still tear up and she knew what was going to happen too when she, she was younger she, she didn't want that shot yeah and i was always so afraid of that needle snapping off in her thigh i was so scared and so nervous now in addition to the acth which which was band-aid we tried giving doing ivig treatments that i told you about once a month at, at first at the hospital but that was eight or ten hour days and we'd have to get oh. there at like six o'clock in the morning and sit in this chair and then fusion suite all day and it was awful and terrible and I'd go with her because Santos would stay home and you would have to work so eventually we got it approved by insurance that we could do the IVIG treatments at home thank god 
We had this amazing nurse, Mindy, come for yeah. many, many, many years and she was with amazing us. Too. She became part of the family and just Miss talked her. to us and kept us company and fed us and told us stories yeah. and She's and spent time with Eden. And I'd I'd have to have Santos there because it depleted my energy all day just seeing my little girl sit with this bag of an of infusion medication that she was having and not understanding what was going on and why she was there and not doing the things that normal kids could do and just heart-wrenching that was painful really painful and the ivig we actually only truly ended about nine months ago when we when covid first started we still had you're right we started ivig up until she was nine years old yeah and it got better, but it was never like, never. because it always like made her, you know, it ruined her Horrible. whole day. It was just, Horrible. it looks painful. She doesn't feel well afterwards. She's usually up that, that night. It's just an awful, awful process. Awful, awful process. But she went through, we all went through, but it was worse on you and her. Well, the other awful. thing is we did try rituximab, which is sort of a form of chemotherapy. And we did that many times on her because Dr. Mitchell believed, and I truly do think she was right, that at some point the the rituximab, which acts like a chemotherapy, kills all the cells in someone's body, good and bad. But the theory behind that is that when the cells rebuild, none of the bad ones will come back. And after many years and many rituximab treatments that we had to do in the hospital, it actually did work, knock on wood. And, and I say knock on wood and I touch wood because I have true PTSD from this. For many years, I couldn't even talk about it, especially when Eden was a baby and we were going through it. I couldn't talk about it. I was so upset that this was happening to our little baby and why was this happening to us and to our lives? And it was so unfair that she didn't get to go through normal milestones that children get to go to and go to mommy and me anymore and birthday party and talk. You know, she couldn't speak for a long time. She was really late to develop that. She couldn't walk normally and... It was so difficult. Now I say this realizing that we are truly blessed. Eden is doing so much better. So, so much better. Yes, she has a lot of obstacles still to go through, but she is such a ray of sunshine. And she always was a tough cookie. She never once complained. No, she didn't like IVIG. Yes, she hated going to the hospital. But you know what? She never once said, why me? She never once said, I don't want to do this. She took everything and she stayed strong and she always did everything with her strong might and her strong will and with a smile. And that's who she is. And I always remember thinking that even as a baby, she never did the why me. And I will always remember that. And that's why she is our hero, really. Yeah, she's a fighter. There's no doubt about it. And the she's other a feisty thing, one. and I'm sorry that I keep talking so much, but my dad, who's not alive anymore, I do remember when I was in that deep depression when we both were, and I was crying to him and saying, why is this happening to us? Why me? Why us? Why Eden? And he said, Limora, you are so lucky. And I said, Dad, what are you talking about? How am I so lucky with not knowing if my daughter's going to live, not knowing what's going on, having to go through all this? And he said, Limor, you are so lucky. You live in this amazing place where you get to go to Children's Hospital, where you have an amazing doctor like Dr. Mitchell, where you have amazing nurses and medications provided to you, where you have health care, where you live in a beautiful community, where you have an amazing husband and family and friends and everybody supporting you. You cannot complain. You are so fortunate. And he's right because there are people that experience much worse things 
with their own kids. There's, there's, there are worse things. What Ian went through was terrible, but there definitely is worse. And even the fact he's right, that we live in Los Angeles and we were able to go straight to Children's Hospital and we were able to be under the care of Dr. Mitchell and to get have insurance and to get all these crazy, ridiculous, expensive medications approved. Do you know that the first year of Eden's OMS was over $1 million in hospital bills. Oh my God. Are, are you serious? the ACTH, which no, was every I, little vial yeah, was like $20,000. Um, every time she did IVIG, we've seen those bills, $18,000. Um, every Holy chemotherapy crap. and rituximab, the, the various long-term stays we had in the hospital, thank God we had insurance. And if we didn't have insurance, we would be bankrupt. Yeah, and it does bankrupt some people, but Holy thank God. Crap. So I do believe that we are yeah. so fortunate and so lucky and we do have our Eden. And yes, she is a fighter. And yes, she has a lot more obstacles to go through, but she is the most amazing, beautiful little girl. And I'm so thankful because it changed us as people. It changed us as parents. It changed us as friends. It it really, How really did it did. change us? Um, I think we're more appreciative we're of the like, little things. Yep. And I think we're grateful. Yeah, we're grateful. We're so much more grateful. We're we're so grateful for every little thing in our lives. I've always said that. I'm just so grateful. And how lucky are we to have the friends that we yeah. have? We have we're so lucky. Friends. Remember they set up the first couple of weeks like a food train? People we didn't even know from our temple. My friends went to get my Every car in Ventura. Night. Yeah. Danielle would like drop off arts and crafts and projects because at one point I took Elijah out of school when we tried this self-quarantine thing that didn't even work. Shannon Carrie, would Shannon, come and see Lisa. her. Carrie, they were amazing. Our friends were amazing. Our, so my parents lucky. were amazing. My sister, she didn't actually live here. She was still in Israel. But I remember her coming to the hospital and coming yeah. out specifically and just taking Eden in her arms and making sure she was eating and just. I have to say, too, my brothers were amazing, Bobby and David. It doesn't matter what time I called my brothers, uh, night or day, they would pick up and we would talk. We would talk uh, sports, the Steelers, movies, whatever was going on in their lives. When I need, needed an escape, they were always there. I really appreciated that. Uh, through the years, all the nurses we've had and the doctors, Dr. Mitchell and the friends we've had and the people we've met along the way to help us when we started our own nonprofit, Eden's Journey, all the people that came and helped us and raised money for Children's Hospital, just everything How along the way, we? we're so lucky. You know, maybe we're blessed. We are blessed. Let's talk about Dr. Mitchell for a second, though, yeah. so everyone can get a, a visual picture of this Dr. Mitchell. She she's is, sharp. She's eccentric, but she knows what she's doing. She is, and she has pink hair. And she has she's bright a woman, pink hair. Probably now, I would say, in her early 70s. Probably, yeah. She's so smart. She ran that department of neurology for a long time. She has bright pink hair, and she's a specialist in opsoclonus, myoclonus, ataxia, and we're so lucky. And every time we reached out to get advice from somebody else, what do they always say? They said, you're in the exact place you need to be. There's nowhere else you can go. There's nowhere else you should go. Make sure you stay there with Dr. Mitchell, and that's what we have done. Yeah, it made sense. Yeah. All right, let's talk about quarantining for a, for a bit. Okay, we brought up quarantine, or I brought up quarantine, because when this happened to Eden, I did something which I don't do anymore. And I went and looked on the internet for everything I possibly could find for under obstaclonus myoclonus because it was so rare and so scary. And I read somebody who I think either wrote a website or wrote on a blog somewhere how because when your kid is on these ACTH medications or they go through the rituximab because they have no immune systems, they can't get sick. 
because it can cause a relapse or even worse things. So I decided to do what this one person said, like quarantine from the world. Now, mind you, this was 10 years ago before COVID, before most people had ever ever heard of quarantine. I decided our family was going to quarantine. Dr. Mitchell said, don't do that. I did it anyways. What did that mean? That meant I took my son, poor Elijah, out of preschool, made him stay home. I did not leave the house except for to go to the grocery store and home. We weren't allowed to see our family, barely even my parents. We didn't get to see our family in San Diego or anywhere. We didn't let anybody in. We didn't let anybody in our house. We didn't go to any birthday parties. We didn't see, go to any no friend's house. Nothing. Nothing. It was We did quarantine terrible. before the quarantine now. And you know I what? I would go to work. I would go to work. I would come home, undress in the garage, put all my clothes in a plastic bag, go upstairs, take a shower, and put on clean clothes every single day. And it didn't work. And the weekends sucked we drank we we think we drink a bit now we drank a lot back then because there's nothing to do and you're so depressed we were so and depressed. you're these four As a walls family, elijah was depressed just, we were, everyone's just bummed out and even still had a relapse and we and still had to go back to children's hospital and we still had to start and do it all over, all over again. again and that was around christmas time Happy no that holidays. was no that's when we started the re, the quarantine was around christmas time when did this we go back to the hospital? Many times. Well, that during Christmas well, time, and then a year later again. <gasps> Do you remember the when they had to fly in? At one point, she was so dehydrated, and we went back to the hospital, and they couldn't find an IV to oh. put because she was so she was like withering so away. Dehydrated. She was sixteen pounds. So they couldn't skinny. find any more veins oh to put God. an IV I in. I forgot they had a fly. They in. had, and mind you, this is Children's Hospital where they have NICUs experts. and they have experts. And nobody could find a vein. And after a couple of pricks, each nurse gives up. They had the unit that flies in. I forget what it's called. Yeah. They flew in a specialist to come in and give her an IV in her vein. It, it was, was awful. It was awful. Poor little, And she was screaming the whole time. I remember you walked out. That was painful. Yeah. That was brutal. Yeah, because she moved around so much. I know you walked out. I held her legs, and then there were two or three other nurses, and they would just try to keep her down, and they kept pricking her. And she would look at me, and she would just say, "Daddy, please stop, stop, please." With stop. her eyes, because yeah. she couldn't talk. Yeah, just awful. <sighs> you know, those that were was really painful. tough times. Those were some that really, was, yeah. Really you know what? I I forgot about that. I wish I did not think about. I know that we again. thought. I try to block a lot of that stuff out because I don't want to think about it anymore. I do have the PTSD, and I did feel like sharing this would be therapeutic for us because we've never really shared it to this extent with anybody. That's true. I think we talk about, we discuss it between ourselves, but we don't really discuss it. I don't talk with my brothers or my mom. And sometimes I say, stop, I can't, because it does bring yeah, back. you're right. I, I have That's PTSD true. sometimes in the shower for some reason. When and, and Eden starts talking about various memories she has, not of when she was so, so young, but when she was older and we'd have to go back and do different treatments. We did a spinal tap. She remembers the spinal she remembers tap that. when I took her in she and remembers they knocked her out. So yeah. many different things. But I will say, you know, being on those floors at Children's Hospitals for days and days and days on end, we saw some pretty sad stuff and yeah. remember the babies that were just alone in the rooms all because alone the and parents I would, had to work or just and they were gone all day and i remember going in the, the, there was that one girl next to us there's a little girl next to us and she was there as long as we were and we left before she did it but every single night she was all by herself so and she was sad. just looking and looking and looking around and i would whatever i'd say hi to her wave to her try to make her laugh whatever it was just depressing it was, it was. so sad but we're trying to bring this back to a positive because as depressing and difficult 
as those usual were because we felt like we were stuck in there. We would never get out of it because it wasn't like she would just get better one day. Like it wasn't coming and it wasn't coming. And when is this hell going to be over? It did eventually come over. It took nine years and there's still a long way to go. But the good news is Eden is doing really well. And just God forbid there's another relapse or anything ever. And I hate even saying that because I feel like those words are, are awful. But it took a long, long time. There was we could never truly be happy for many years because as happy as we were, there was always an underbelly of, of fear for us. And I feel like now that has been relieved a little bit, which is nice. It has. And it's... we're able to enjoy life like a little bit lighter now. Because this quarantine really isn't anything. We've done this before. We've, We've been this through before, this. But a million times worse. Yeah. So. Do you remember CBS two did a news story on Eden? Yep. Serene, Serene Branson. Branson. Yep. She is great. Remember that? That was... in touch with her. That was a nice, that was a nice little piece. We you should can probably, still find should it. post that. If you Google. Let's post it on, on the website. Eden Gallo or Serene Branson. It actually comes up. It under does? Still, yeah. And we did do that nonprofit. I it was held Eden's to open journey. a nonprofit. And so many of my friends stepped up and joined the board. And we raised some great money, did some good events until it became a little overwhelming. But that Eden's journey, we raised a lot of good money for Children's Hospital, specifically the Department of Neurology. And I learned a lot at that time, too. And. You know, we're just fortunate. We're just thankful for all the little things these days. That's really what matters. Just the little things. And thank you to Eden for being my hero. And that's why when I had cancer, I was like, this is nothing. I don't even care about this. Just do what you got to do because I've been through worse. I liked how Eden would ask you questions or she would talk to you about certain things. Yeah. Does this hurt? Did that hurt you, mommy? Are you okay? Should I change the bandages for you? Yeah, she just did right? that recently. I know we talked about the breast cancer episode, how she would always help you drain right. the blood. And yeah. She wasn't scared. She wasn't nope. afraid. I wouldn't be shocked if she'd be a doctor. Or a nurse. I don't know. She has a little bit of residual... Um, a little bit it's a little bit hard for her in school so i don't know if she can be a doctor because her remember it's the spatialness like numbers right and days of the week what comes before i'm aiming when. high i'm aiming she high can be a one. doctor i don't i don't see why not she definitely we're going to talk more strong. in part two this is part one of eden's journey part two we're going to talk about what happened afterwards right after and we how life got through the now. first two years and how the life is now first two eden. years first nine years for, uh, first nine years i yeah. guess yeah but now we're going to talk about what happened afterwards in part two yeah and how we're going to deal with this thing the good thing about eden is she's always had this amazing strong sense of self right since she was born, truly, she's pretty she really confident. Did. Always had this confidence, and even now, the most amazing thing is just to watch her play on her own. She knows what she likes. She knows what she doesn't. She doesn't want to be swayed, and she just has the most miraculous sense of being. And when she sings, the whole world is singing, and her smile lights up a room. And sometimes I just hear her singing from afar, and it's awesome. And she loves it, and it. Bring music joy. to our ears. Yes, and we wanted to share something. Here's of that a little with piece you. from uh, Eden's collection. If it's someone's birthday, I like to sing this special song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to anybody. Happy birthday to you. So our website is thisromcomlife.com. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at thisromcomlifepodcast at gmail.com. Again, the website is thisromcomlife.com. 
And to get a hold of us, send us anything you want via email. This romcom life podcast at gmail.com. Hopefully, it's only positive stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>